Men and women are not created equally, especially when it comes to working out. And as much as we want, women want to believe we can train the same way as men, it's just not a realistic thing to believe because physiologically we have some major differences. We experience so many different things than men, not just from our menstrual cycles, but in things that happen to us as we go through hormonal fluctuations through pregnancy and through menopause, etc. And in this episode today, we're breaking down with Kalina, who is our female training guru. We're going to break down for you and with you as trainer to trainer, what are the things you need to look out for with training women, why women are different than men, not just why, because we get that, but specifically how, and then what are the specific knowledge gaps that you may have that are holding you back from really transforming the lives of the women that you train already and the women you're going to train in the future. So if you are curious about how do you handle urinary incontinence with with your female uh, athletes, if you're curious about what's going on in pregnancy or postpartum. If you're curious about what happens when you're uh, training more senior women, this is the episode for you and you are not going to want to miss this because Kalina dives in. We have a really candid conversation about training women. It goes into a lot of different facets, but this is for you because we want to help you unlock your ability to transform the lives of the women that you train and build raving fans and loyalty when you do so. Welcome to the Gymnasio Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnasio has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. I'm Kalina. I am a senior movement specialist at Gymnazo, along with a pelvic core exercise specialist. I'm super excited to be here today to talk about um, how I specialize in female movement and female core training and pelvic floor training. Um, it's been kind of my passion niche for the last three years, helping women um, who are pregnant, who are postpartum, who are menopausal, girls who are athletes, kind of just find themselves and train successfully in being women, not just athletes in general. So super excited to talk about that today. And I'm Peyton Hughes. I'm the, the CEO here at Gymnazo as well. And I'm joining this conversation because f- almost four years ago, well, maybe three and a half years ago, I was in tears in my kitchen with Michael because I felt like I might look like I had shed all this baby weight from my firstborn, but I didn't feel like I had gotten my body back. And none of the 
training that we were doing felt like it was really meeting that need and I was really emotional about it. And so that was the catalyst that kind of spiraled this whole learning curve that as a whole, as a team led by Kalina, we've been really diving into uh, what is going on with training women and are there specific times in a woman's life where you need to be very specialized and targeted and and what's really going on for women that's different from men because so often we kind of forget that there's some pretty big differences between the two genders. Yeah. Um, Traditional training has been more geared towards men. I wouldn't say that it's exclusive of women, but it certainly hasn't been targeted specifically towards women. And we know that biomechanically and physiologically, we're totally different creatures. Uh, And we go through so many more like life stages. I call menopause puberty 2.0 for women because it's like, you know, we go through puberty and then we go through a child or some women do, you know, labor and delivery. And then there's menopause and we go through so many hormone fluctuations and so many like body changes that is so different from men. How do we train differently? That's something Mm -hmm. that's never really addressed. Um, It's kind of just like, here, this is what you go with. This is what we know. This is how dudes have trained forever because, you know, traditionally exercise started with men, like bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. and then rolled into Jane Fonda, rolled into Pilates, and then Zumba. And then all of a sudden now it's cool for women to weight lift and exercise, but we haven't geared it more towards them. So like Pin said, being um, patient zero for our, the female core conversion program that I designed was to help women who were having all of these dysfunctions prior or post labor and delivery that were new to them and we're saying what's going on like and how can we train differently because what we're doing now isn't working mm-hmm. for the current woman yeah so let's dive into i'm so tempted to just dive right in and just say let's talk about all the embarrassing shit that women have to deal with as symptoms because if you're a trainer listening to this Regardless if you're a personal trainer, a group trainer, um, a movement specialist, massage therapist, whatever it is like that you geek out on, you're likely serving women and you're going to need to know some of the stuff that embarrasses them that they might not be willing to share with you. And I'm going to start off by saying if you have observed the color of pants that women wear in most exercise communities, I guess I'll throw this out there to the listeners. Would you say that women most often wear black and navy blue pants or in shorts, or do they go more color crazy? And my judgment on that slash pay attention, because I think you'll find it's, it's true and predictable, is that as women age, um, as they have children, they start wearing black pants for the simple reason that they don't want you to see their pee stains as they're jumping and running around the facilities. And so that's just one of the symptoms is urinary incontinence. Yeah. um, 50% of women actually deal with incontinence at some point in their lifetime, which is crazy. And you don't even have to have kids to have 
to, to leak. I mean, I've had friends who have laugh and pee and they just think that it's normal. There's so much that we're not taught in school, like even going through puberty, you just think it's a normal part of growing up even. Like being an athlete and you get hit super hard and all of a sudden you pee your pants. And that's just like normal for you or you think that's normal or running and peeing yourself. Like they just think that that's normal growing up and then it trickles into adulthood. And so you see, yeah, black pants or uh, my favorite is we'll be doing like a jumping jack exercise two minutes into class and then women are all of a sudden sprinting to the bathroom like oh I have to pee like you just peed when you got here mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is like a telltale sign that they either they think they have to go or they've leaked themselves and they need to go like adjust or clean themselves up but um gosh yeah incontinence is a crazy one that we just aren't taught enough about and it really doesn't have it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with pelvic floor strength which is another big misconception um, gosh, we could do a whole talk. On, yeah, we're going to do an that. entire episode with <laughs> Kalina diving into specifically the pelvic floor and core um, neuromuscular system. So we'll mention that in today's topic, but we're really just talking to pretty much all trainers wanting to understand, you know, are we missing something with women? Because for years in gymnasium's history, we weren't specifically targeting women. And we were realizing some of this stuff, like women... Um, talking to the female coaches, like being more willing to go to a female coach and be like, by the way, like I can't really do jumping jacks or I don't really like to do box jumps. Can you, and it's sort of this moment of trust where it's like, can you just graciously give me an alternative way to do this? So I don't look like I suck as an athlete, but I need you to like know the girl code of don't give me that and expect me to do that in front of others. Yeah. So like, that's a great, that was something that I necessarily didn't understand when I joined Gymnazo was having women confide in you and saying they don't want to do something, but they don't tell you why. Like, I don't yeah. want to do jumping jacks, but they don't tell you why. They don't tell you that they've peed themselves completely. They just say, I can't do it. Say, oh, well, why can't you do it? And they just say, I just can't. Doesn't necessarily, yeah. like some women, they wouldn't say like foot pain. It's not knee pain. They're just like, I just can't do it. And that was a, a whenever like, it's vague, you should be aware that, um, Whenever it's vague, you should be aware that, that maybe there's more going on and it's embarrassing. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's, there's so much that we can talk about the PCNS, but you know, as far as traditional strength training has gone, like two of the biggest things that the, the main difference between women and men is for physiological and biological, you know, we go through hormone fluctuations every month. There's actually certain times in the month when it's um, more beneficial for us to train because um, you're more prepared for it or when our bodies don't feel good like you know the PMS stage you're not going to feel good it's not it's not necessarily we're not at our prime to actually train while we're menstruating or the week before that we're menstruating you know that can make a difference in how you train that way um, you know biomechanically we have wider set hips and a shower set pelvis than guys and a lot of trainers are under the assumption that the knee can't buckle in or the knee can't valve because we hear that all the time like don't let it buckle don't let it buckle that's so bad keep your knees straight over your toes well for women especially because we're wider set we're actually more naturally inclined to have our knees buckle in or valgus but it's not necessarily don't have that ever happened or and don't train women to like never do that it's can you train to get it in and out of those zones safely and controlled like if you can't mm-hmm. control it, if it's like that knee's flying next door then yeah we want to we want to adjust how we train that but you know training women to actually be able to go into that position and get out of it is critical for especially as we age 
um, not falling and breaking a hip and not hurting your knees. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we can talk about like even starting with youth athletes. Yeah. So Peyton and I actually both grew up soccer players. Yeah. One, <laughs> one a little more successfully than the other. <laughs> Uh, I went on to, to play Division One at, at Cal Poly, and uh, it was a great experience. And you know, after joining Gymnasio, and I I was injured pretty f- at least once a year. You know, I rolled my ankles, tore ligaments, I tore both my MCLs. I watched plenty of teammates tear their labrum, tear their ACLs. Luckily, you know, I was able to avoid an ACL tear. Um, but looking at how three-dimensional training influences athletes is a whole nother awesome conversation we can have. But when we talk about training women um, and training women to avoid injury, if you didn't know, teenage girls are 80% more likely to tear their ACL than boys. Wow. And it's not because we're like the weaker gender. To tell you what, in high school, I was a lot bigger than half the dudes on the cross country team and the boys soccer team. And they didn't see half the number of ACL tears that we did. But because of, again, going through puberty and these hormone fluctuations, like for labor and delivery, right before even you ovulate or menstruate and before labor and delivery, we release hormones to relax our tissues. Mm-hmm. and to have less tension in our bodies. And the same thing happens for teenage girls, except at the teenage age, you're even more fragile. And if you don't have a good and solid stability program through three planes of motions, like you play a three-dimensional sport, yeah, you're much, much more likely to tear your ACL and, and go that way. And that is like a firm belief in why we train 3D, but how do you train a teenage girl to, to you, you know, we call it injury prevention, but you can't truly prevent all injuries. Or prove that you did. Yeah. But you can certainly prep their bodies to be stronger through the action that tears an ACL. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about like the biomechanics of how you tear your ACL, it's like knee extension, internal rotation, and then pff, abduction. So it's like, like you're snapping your knee inwards. That's how you tear it. So like we're talking about that valgus, that bending in of the knee, can you start training that at the high school age to go safely in and out of that motion, you know, on a single leg squat? Yes, you can. You can do that in so many different ways. And if you, again, like another fun fact, most ACL tears are non-contact. I watched two of my best friends literally plant their foot and go to turn around and that's how they snapped their ACL. Wow. And it wasn't in, you know, my best friend ended up playing at UCLA. We used to call her the wildebeest because she was just an ox on the field. She was super strong. And like, there was no, there was no way as like, she was a weak player in any way, shape or form. It was non-contact. It's a mobility and stability issue. It just, just snaps. Um, when you don't, when you don't train that. And I grew up in a very traditional train high school, like deadlifts, squats, nothing was singular. Nothing was single leg. Nothing was multi-planar. And it's a very structured, very safe that, you know, we say it's safe. It is safe, but it's not, it's not realistic to what we go through. You know, yeah, it wasn't you, designing you to be successful in real time on, in a game where you're reacting so fast your body needs to know how to move in exactly. all the directions. Exactly. Pivot, etc. Yeah. That's part of the, the great thing that I love seeing now is seeing reaction training for athletes hmm. because that's more realistic to what the game is, having to rapidly change direction or do something like that. That's a better prep. That's more realistic. Then you just have to incorporate that into a better strength training program. But you know, for girl, I mean, I've worked with women who, who have said, yeah, my daughter pees herself and she's 16 and she is a high school cross country runner. I'm like, why is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't happen just so she knows it's not normal. 
Yeah. Like, what's the what's the phrase? Just because it's common doesn't make it normal. Yeah. I yeah. love that because it's so true. It's like we normalize stuff because it's so commonplace, but that doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's not a red flag. Um, and so going back real quick, you had talked about how there's various hormonal seasons in a woman's life mm-hmm. where we have, I believe it's relaxin. Is yep. that correct? Yep. And for, that, for breastfeeding, we release okay. relaxin. So um, that's just breastfeeding? But what about, what were you saying? Double when, check on that. I know. So what's the, but there's a lot of hormones in play and these re- create more lacticity. Elasticity. Elasticity. Thank you. And just less tension through the tissues, right? Because if you think about labor and delivery, like you don't want to be tense. You want, you want, you want everything to be easy peasy and to have less resistance, right? It's less resistance. So, um, for one who's not pregnant, essentially you have four cycles. You have the menstrual cycle, your follicular, your ovulation, the luteal phases, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and through those different phases, we see elevation and drops in estrogen and progesterone. And so that kind of messes with our ability to <laughs> control our emotions. Uh, <laughs> and just that tension throughout the body, like why we feel so weak or why we feel so strong certain days. Um, Gosh, I mean, I remember more so growing up, like when in puberty, where there's just like days you just, you have no energy and you can't explain why. Even uh, actually, so really exciting for our listeners. I'm actually now 15 weeks pregnant, which we just announced a few weeks ago. But um, uh, first trimester, just like chronic fatigue. I mean, it yeah. was just like having narcolepsy. I felt like Mr. Bean in Rat Race, <laughs> like where I would just be up one minute and then down the next. And uh, when I didn't know that I was pregnant, I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, I didn't have energy to train. And it was, I work out four to five days a week, typically. And I work out hard. Like, I love exercising. And that just wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when we take that mindset, you know, as a personal trainer or a group trainer, when you're training female athletes, like you have to understand that they're going to go through the same thing that you go through or how you can explain that to a woman who goes, why am I not hitting my PR every week? You know, why am I not necessarily feeling this? Well, it had, could have everything to do with what they're eating because mm-hmm. eating affects our hormones. Um, and then again, the phase of their menstrual cycle totally affects their hormones. Yeah. So there's this whole, you know, misconception that we can work at 100% all of the time when really internally you might not have any idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're training women, I've, I started using um, a fitness tracker. I use Whoop, which is a cool, coolest, coolest little feature for me. As a trainer, it helps me like recognize or see what's going on internally, things that I can't actually feel, but just tells me like what's actually happening in my body. Uh, but using a fitness tracker because it does, and fitness trackers can track your menstrual cycle for you, hmm. or you can actually input that data in to help you recognize when you're ready to perform and when you're not ready to perform. Yeah. Um, and helping women find their peak or knowing when you can start to push yourself and mm-hmm. when might be a good week to take a week off or not necessarily a week off, but just managing your load. Yeah. Managing your load. Yeah. Um, gosh, a lot of women, we always want this strong, strong core. We can talk about the way that we train the core actually. Yeah. Let's dive into that because that's the big pet peeve that most women walk in the door going, Hey, I need to just do abs. Yeah. (laughs) Like looking at him and, and you're like, there's more going on. (laughs) But it's this classic thing, and this is like my business side coming out. It's like you need to understand what people want, and you need to give them that and what they need. And you need to blend that in an intelligent way where they're really satisfied, but they're getting results above and beyond what they came in the door wanting. Yeah. You know, we know that that 
you can't just do 700 crunches a day and all of a sudden you're going to have a six pack. You know, we know as trainers, it's, it's abs are made in the kitchen is always the, the typical one. But when we talk about building like a foundational core, say you have an older client who's going through menopause, lives by herself. We have so many of those women in our facility and they're amazing and they want to be strong for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not interested in physique looks, but they truly just want to have a strong core to be able to function to be able to like mm-hmm. move stuff themselves and just be independent and, and and function every day to day but training the core you know we we can core load in so many different ways you know the core wants to have tension and even doing things like overhead presses or reaches or planks but moving planks providing tension for the core is a great way um there's this big misconception that especially labor and delivery that we need to stay away from core workouts because it's or gosh I don't even know how to how to properly. Well, anytime that, you're prone, they yeah. get worried that you're gonna cone or yes, which um, we can talk about. <laughs> yeah, so coning is actually uh, it's it's diastasis recti or recti diastasis, however you want to say that, um, which is essentially you have a leak in the balloon. You know your core, your core is is has this amazing ability to be elastic and to grow and to expand. Uh, we have this. Linea alba, which I, it's like a piece of laffy taffy, is what I think of it as. That you know starts at the rib cage, the sternum, and then runs down to the top of the pubic bone. And through pregnancy, that connective tissue expands to make room for the baby. And when we see that coning, it's really pressure pushing into the linea alba. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's it's a leak in the system essentially because mm-hmm. your core is not really there. It's literally just that elastic band. Um, and during pregnancy and postpartum that tissue is supposed to come back together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. It can come back together. We just, it's a neuromuscular dysfunction. It does actually has nothing to do with how strong your core are, but how neuromuscularly connected your core really is. Mm -hmm. So you can do all the planks and crunches in the world, but if there is a lack of nerve connectivity and proprioception, that understanding of how the muscles actually work, then you're not going to be able to have a strong core. A lot of women will talk about it as the pooching or the doming or mom belly, or they think it's extra fat when it's just loose skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we think, I just need to do planks. I just need to do you know, prone positions to help get that strong. But anytime or push-ups, you know, you're, the more pressure you put into that linea alba, the more... It's harder. Stretchy, yeah, yeah. It's harder so it is to come back in. Yeah, you're you're just putting more pressure against the band when the band doesn't want more pressure. It wants to be cinched up or secured, I guess. Um, okay, so let's recap because we were it's such a broad topic, and I love it. It's like let's talk about we talked about youth athletes yep. and how it's really this like three plane motion, there's stability, mobility, like that's really going to be a focus, particularly with these younger female athletes and just they, not that the boys don't need it. It's just that these girls are so much more injury prone Yeah, and we need to take that seriously. And we look at ACLs as a classic example. Um, we're just kind of diving into the pregnancy phase. Well, we also talked about monthly cycles. So regardless, once that period starts, like you can't expect PRs every week. Yeah. Um, we talked about, you know, some of the symptoms that as trainers you'll be aware of would be the urinary incontinence. It might be, um, you know, them feeling frustrated that they're not hitting their PRs every time, every week after week. And maybe you're realizing, oh my gosh, 
You should really only be really pushing for that PR the second week of the month or like whatever it is for that that female in front of you. And so just acclimating to that. We've talked about how women will be very vague with their male trainers particularly. And when they don't tell you specifically why they won't do something and there's resistance there, just tuning in that they could really be embarrassed about a symptom of their PCNS or pelvic floor um, core and just tuning in that there might be something else instead of doing what a lot of trainers I think do, which is like, Hey, that seems like a mental roadblock. You might not be mentally tough enough to have to just do the box jump. Yes, you can. You can do it. I believe in you and go like, ooh, raw motivation when it's like, you're literally missing that they're embarrassed and this is a dysfunction and it's fixable. Yeah. So just bringing awareness to that. Uh, what other signs, if you're a trainer, would you be on the lookout for where maybe your programming needs to adapt to meet this particular client's needs? The co- oh, we also talked about um, doming or coning, doming, and stomach pooching, all of that being a sign that something you know didn't that your that the muscles didn't rewire correctly post birth typically yeah and need to kind of come back be be really rewired back into connection yeah i think we could talk to you about the mental aspect for training women it's a lot Hmm. different than the male training a male athlete you know some male athletes they just want the you know no pain no gain i want you screaming in my face which we know like as group as group trainers doesn't work for most women like to to my knowledge most women don't get fired up by getting in their face and and screaming at them and definitely tapping into that emotional side of thing Hmm. um women or moms who don't know how strong they are i think that's one of my favorite things for how i train Hmm. women differently is really providing the positive mental feedback that you are stronger than you think you are and that it's not that they're not capable of doing it, it's that they, we don't have that self-belief, which doesn't come as naturally to women, hmm. um, or most women, I should say. Some of us have our, we just think we're badasses, which is great, like, <laughs> you know, Penn's badass, and she knows it. <laughs> I feel like I was born in the world with way too much confidence, and probably my parents just let that be, and no, I'm thankful. We need that, but, you know, how you adjust to, to train that woman who, who might be on the edge of a PR, but just needs that little bit of extra love and support and belief um from you i mean gosh and it's you know it's not to say women aren't competitive because like the screaming in your face i totally hear you on that and i'm one of those type a's that kind of likes some tough love but i like competition more than i like to be screamed at yeah so if you just match me next to somebody that seems like oh man they're pretty awesome like i'm gonna want to keep pace i'm gonna want to beat them not totally. just keep pace that's different but you're talking about the messaging empowering women like there's a really powerful opportunity absolutely there's a powerful opportunity and even the god correcting self-doubt or correcting negative self-talk yes um the body image issues that so many women go through not to say that men don't go through that but i think women are always so much more critical of ourselves we want to compare ourselves Mm -hmm. um to everyone you know the constant looking in the mirror the self-doubt the negative self-doubt the the focus so much on your weight instead of what your body can do yeah or how you you feel in your clothes yeah like i feel amazing oh shit, I'm 15 pounds heavier than I was at 12. Yeah. Like, and you're 42. And it's like, come on Different now. life stages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we say this even as, as trainers, you know, we might say we think it's motivating, but for somebody it could be really toxic to say mm-hmm. like, hey, let's work off that cookie 
Or oh. like, let's, and you know, this like, yeah, the earn it language. First let's, of all, I wanted that cookie. Yes. <laughs> and, and I deserve to have that pleasure with yeah. that. Like I wanted a cookie and there is my most beautiful moment of my day yeah. to not make me feel bad yeah. for that. There should not be like a food shaming or yeah. a food guilt or working off the holiday weight. How about maybe like, let's get back to good habits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to treat yourself. That is totally fine. You shouldn't have to shame yourself or starve yourself. Like I'm yeah. a firm believer in that like I want the burrito I'm gonna eat the burrito and I'm not gonna worry about how if it, it adds on an extra pound or two for the next day you know my favorite things are like precision nutrition that we we've done I highly recommend if you never looked into that but it says just be one percent better yeah like you know you can be one percent better than yesterday and not mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this accumulated you know I need to be a hundred percent better like the diet culture is is just awful for women yeah it sets women up to fail yeah I think. I yeah. mean, it's one thing to do like a detox post holidays yeah. in a sense of like kind of getting some toxins out, but in in terms of doing it seasonally, it can be quite damaging. Yeah. Um, the other thing, well, we, you mentioned it and this could be its own series of podcasts, which is like, what, it, how do we empower and break these negative cycles that hold us back emotionally, mentally, et cetera. And women are such an amazing opportunity to talk about that in fitness. But we also want to make sure we don't have like the earn it language. Like to me, it's like I hear a lot of trainers saying things like, you know, earn that weekend that you're going to binge drink or like eat 16 burritos or whatever. It's like and, and there's this joke around it that can be fun and community building, but subversively, it's not as uplifting or funny because there is this mindset of, oh, I don't get to have the chocolate because I didn't work out today. Yeah. And it's this deprivation and it's guilty and yeah. it's punishing yourself around food yeah. as a weapon Yeah. against like, it's like, love your body thin, don't hate it. What do they say? Don't hate your body thin, love your body thin, but there's some cool catchy phrase on it. But the concept being, you know, you can get there anyway. Do you want to get there through depriving yourself through that? Or do you want to get serious about, I love the way my body feels. I love the way it looks. I love the way it performs for me. I mean, we've talked about like body positivity. We're talking about um, how we always want to look how we did five years ago. And then five years ago, you wanted to look like you did five years before that. Uh You know, like, I think it's just so interesting for women, especially, who we always Mm -hmm. do that. You're like, you know, you you hate the body that you're in until five years later. Like, oh my gosh, I wish I had that body. And then how much time do we waste, Mm -hmm. you know, like, with all that negative self-talk or not eating the things that you want to eat or (laughs) drinking the things that you want to drink because you're afraid of what the consequence, quote unquote, consequences are. But how we as trainers can shift that mindset and shift that culture. There's a difference between like being healthy and being overweight, certainly. Um, we're getting into like an unhealthy phase, but certainly we shouldn't be punishing ourselves for the weekend or a Tuesday night when you want to not do anything or, you know, eat how you want to eat. Yeah. And um, the other thing I want to mention is that's one of the reasons we don't have mirrors in Gymnazo. Actually, Michael tuned in on this super early in his career, which was that he just got sick of watching women, particularly, look at themselves doing workouts in a mirror and just see how you could just see the criticalness in their face. And he was like, this is just distracting everybody from the function of I don't want to look 
perfect doing workouts. I want to feel strong, confident, and capable doing exercises, which means I need to stop crutching on this mirror reflection. And you need to actually know what it feels like and use the coach to be your mirror back to you. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting how it plays in too. So, okay, that's good. What about perimenopausal? Let's go there. Yeah. Um, gosh, <laughs> puberty 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, we got such the short end of the stick on that, like to have to go through that twice, essentially like hot flashes. I cannot <laughs> Mood imagine. Mood swings, night sweats, like it just sounds freaking terrible. And like your metabolism changes again, you know, yeah. hormones change again. We lose tension in our tissues. We all of a sudden we have, I call them the bat wings, you know, the little flappy underarms that we get. And you're like, how do I make that go away? Well, it's like you, we might be able to, we might not. It's a tension and tissue kind of deal. Um, but training women to still be strong. I think we, there's so many different avenues for fitness, which is great because not every brand of fitness is for everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, CrossFit is for some people, bars for some people, yoga is for some people, but you don't have to fit into each basket. Um, and you could do all of them in some yeah. combination too. You can do all of them, but and then I now I totally lost track of where I was going with this. It's okay. Because um, <laughs> between the two of us right now, I feel like I'm what a year and a half postpartum with baby two, and you're in pregnancy mode. The yeah. the, the brain fog is real <laughs> at this point. Um, but I, what you were saying was that we get to go through period two point or men or. Um, what would you menopause. call it? Menopause. Yeah, puberty 2.0. Puberty, that's what it was. Puberty 2.0. Yeah. Uh, but just using losing that connectivity in the tissues and we just how we rebuild that strength and confidence mm-hmm. and even building lower body strength. That, oh, sorry. That's what I was getting at. So yeah. many avenues don't promote enough strength-based exercises or an, promoting strength or women are afraid to get strong. There you go. That's a big objection. I don't want to lift heavy or I'll look like a boy. Yeah. Uh, which you're not, you know, you have to eat very specifically and train very specifically to get to that, that I'm going to put bulky in quotes, air quotes here, but that bulky look you're not going to achieve in most gyms and you're not going to achieve unless you're specifically trying to. Now your own personal opinion of what bulky looks like is Mm going to differ from woman to woman, but I can tell you what, most women are not bulky by any means. Um, Now, if I lift heavy, I still look (laughs) ballerina-ish. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And our nutrition has so much to do with how we look physically too. But, you know, promoting that strength and actually lifting weights, like for all the moms out there or for anyone who trains a mom, do you, great question. Do you pick your kids up? Yes. How much does your frigging <laughs> kid weigh? Like, you know, yeah. Jackson's 25 pounds now. Yeah. And it's like, crazy. do you ever lift him up overhead? With of course. Both, you know, with both hands. Yeah. But like you throw a woman in a gym and you tell her to take 25 pounds up overhead. She loses her mind. She's like, I want the 10 pound weights and I want to do multiple reps. And that's all I want to do. Even you have to hold Jackson and squat down. Now you're squatting with 25 pounds. Yeah. In not just both hands, but one hand, you know, on one hip. Gotcha. Yeah. We should be training every mom and every soon to be mom with unilateral loading. And if you're not doing that as a trainer, you should start because if, or if you are a mom, you know, you do stuff with just one hand. You got to yeah. hold the kid in one hand, unless you got him strapped to you. Super. But most of the time, if you're having to hold your kid, it's a unilateral load, which means your body's going to be off balance. You're going to be tilted to one side, mm-hmm. prep your body for that and train that way. But training for strength, like as a gosh my aunt when she had her they're now my they're my cousin's kids but her grandkids 
she got so lean and she got so strong in a matter of months because all of a sudden she was having to lift her grandbaby. And all she yeah. did before was Zumba. Yeah. And she looked actually so much healthier once she had the grandkids because she put on some muscle. And she wasn't then afraid of picking stuff up or carrying things out of the house. You know, for menopausal women, super important to maintain that strength as we age. The biggest fear that most, not just women, but the elderly have seasoned citizens sorry not elderly i'm called seasoned citizens is falling and breaking a hip yeah or falling and breaking something and so how do we better prepare them for that with keep up their strength work holding on to something all of the time and doing little squats it can be great in some aspects but unless you have to walk holding onto a wall all the time they need to be able to do some sort of stability mobility at different ranges of motion and training their hips and their ankles and their feet, you know, that's something mm-hmm. that's overlooked too. Sitting on a machine isn't isn't going to help them necessarily get functionally stronger no. to go through this. But, you know, for menopausal women, help them stay strong and encourage them to be strong. And lifting mm-hmm. weights, even getting your groceries in and out of the car. So my favorite way to help encourage women for how to get stronger is just relating it back to their day-to-day life. Even yeah. if they have a dog, like, do you pick up your dog? <laughs> you know, yeah. like my mom's got this little 12 pounder, <laughs> that little, little barbecue dog. And, <laughs> and, you know, but she still needs to be able to pick yeah. the dog up, carry it to the car, lift it out of the car. Or for women like older women, you got big dogs. I'm a big dog type of gal. Like I love my little 60 pound nugget, but you know, I love big dogs and I want to be able yeah. to control that so you know like if your dog wants to go chase a squirrel and you're not prepped for it like what's going to happen in that that situation no I, it's totally true and it's good it's good for us to consider all these scenarios because that's what makes training women so unique is it's not just oh here's how i mean i do like the suggestion of of you know how to how to understand squats being different for women, et cetera. And there's so many little tips I'm gonna try to extract from you here because I know you know all these things. Um, but there's just so many factors, and so I think we err on the one size fits all fitness model. And it's um, part we've been told in the marketing world that you just need to tell everyone like, oh, we can make it work for you. But can you well and and do it well? And I think that's a deep insecurity with a lot of trainers. So like as we kind of unpacked all these different kind of life phases and some different factors that are going on, like if you were to tie it in a bow and say like, this is the kind of stuff you should be considering, you've dropped a couple hints, but are there some kind of general directions you would advise people to go on? If you train women, you need to have a basic understanding of the pelvic core neuromuscular system. Mm-hmm. Very basic understanding because the pelvic core neuromuscular system is composed of the respiratory diaphragm, your abdominal core muscles, the low back and hip muscles, um, so your entire like actual core, and then your pelvic floor. Everybody has one, right? Yeah. Men, men have a pelvic floor core, the respiratory diaphragm, but women especially, our pelvic core or PCNS for sure goes through so many more changes than men and has so many more opportunities for dysfunction you need to have a basic understanding of how that works Mm -hmm. because that will greatly influence how you train women at any age at any phase of life um and that is where you know this might be a good opportunity to talk about mentorship program um so we have a whole mentorship program where um I mentor you and explain what the PCNS is, how it functions, how to train women specifically for 
any type of dysfunction, whether it be um, incontinence, diastasis, prolapse, um, and so many, so much more knee pain, back pain specifically mm-hmm. for women, you know, um, and, and going from there, that's a, that's a really cool opportunity to learn all about that. And here are not just how to treat the dysfunctions, but how to incorporate that into an entire class. Mm-hmm. Um, I created the female core conversion program, which has helped hundreds of women overcome minor dysfunctions that they thought they would have to live with forever that we, they just take an exercise class once a week, we reset their neuromuscular system and all of a sudden they're going, oh my gosh, I don't pee my pants anymore. Or I feel my abs after a workout for the first time in years. Yes. So many different things you don't think about. Alleviated my back pain. You yeah, know, I can run without planning my route around bathroom breaks. Yes. It's just these are really cool wins for people that are hard to, like no one walks in the door saying this is my goal because they don't even know it's possible to have it. Yeah. So many people, so many women don't know that it's possible or that they're capable. I mean, 33% of women deal with some sort of PCNS dysfunction in their lifetime. But is, what I love about your the mentorship program that you built is you're going to give them the programming. You're going to give them the templates. You give them the workshop even that you share with nurses and doctors and OBGYNs to build trust in what you're doing, how you can partner with them in the program. And then you make sure that everyone that works with you one-on-one gets that real deep dive in the science so that they feel like they mastered it and they can speak with confidence in informed circles. And that's what I think is super powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You'll be able to change lives. Yeah. Absolutely. You'll, you, it will change how you train women, how you treat women and how you fix certain problems. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so much that we've addressed that, um, you think is a knee issue that is really a pelvic core issue. And one last thing I'll mention about this um, program is if you're a, a male trainer listening to this, just so you know, we sat our entire team, of which I think at the time there were three females on the team and the rest were men. And we had, ev- we had a, a, a women's health specialist fe- a physical therapist come and train everybody on what the heck's going on. And from there, Kalina built the program. But the men need to know it too. Because yeah. even if women clients aren't, are going to be vague with you and are going to not really want to talk to you about it and, or more like you don't want to talk to them about it because it's really awkward for you too, just knowing it and harnessing it so that you can program for it, you can tweak for it, you can modify workouts for it, it will take you to the next level. Like CJ, Michael, Mitch, Jonathan, Sean, like all our guide trainers, like they will secretly give tweaks and modifications for these women without having to go there with them. Yeah. And, you know, we'll give you enough confidence to speak about it in a professional manner. Mm -hmm. How many women go to see a male OBGYN? Fair enough. (laughs) So, you know, just because, you know, if you can speak about it intelligently and articulate things well and give them the whys, it's not an awkward conversation. It's Mm -hmm. science, which is the best part. You know, so one of the issues that I had was with credibility was that I had never had kids before. Yeah. Three years later, I have proven so many women wrong and have built such like this cool, established um, reputation like in our medical community. We have OBGYNs and physical therapists who will refer patients to me and to our exercise program for prenatal and postnatal care, you know, to help women better prepare themselves because doing Kegels is not going to fix your shit. (laughs) Say that. It's not. Or, Or help you in 
any way, shape, or form. It has. I mean, well, is it such a thing that you're so loose that's the only shot you have? No. So I know. Many, so you need to debunk this right now. So many women think that if they have incontinence issues that it's just like, my pelvic floor is weak. Or if you've had kids that you're just like, it's shot to hell down there. Like, it's, <laughs> it's never coming back. It's not going to be the same, that's for sure. But it's not necessarily a matter of... Um, loose tissue or not strong tissue um for labor and delivery it can be a very violent process and there's tearing they say it's like trauma it's like a car accident it like you get 100 is and it's like like, an isolated car accident and you need to recover from it strategically yeah anytime there's that much blood in any situation you go to physical therapy afterwards amen (laughs) (laughs) except with labor delivery they're like here's your kid good luck with that seriously so and there's no there's no like recovery program and labor and delivery is a marathon most people don't sign up for a marathon it's like i'm not going to train for this yeah Um, mine was 23 hours with kennedy yeah so there's that that's literally feels like a marathon the fcc program that i've designed is designed to prepare your body for labor and delivery as much as we can obviously they can't simulate pushing a watermelon out but we can and then helped you to recover postpartum but if you have so we were talking about pelvic floors being weak or that misconception um if you tore during your during labor and delivery which most women do to my understanding or had an episiotomy which is if you are pregnant or have pregnant clients tell them don't get an episiotomy it's or as the nurses once told me good job for advocating for your perineum (laughs) yeah that was his perineum and i was like that's what you call it okay whatever (laughs) i was like just don't cut me anywhere yeah yeah um, if you had a tear that heals, right, or, or a cut that heals, and anywhere else you have scar tissue, mm-hmm. you have buildup, you have a scab, right? It's, it's a wound. It's like a flesh wound. And not to mention, you have all this pressure forcing down upon that wound or that scar constantly because it's the base of your whole core, right? There's mm-hmm. no gravity um, pushing anything out, going to the bathroom, number one or number two, uh, you're going to have pressure there. But if you have pressure and you had scarring and you had tearing, that's tight tissue. It's going to be, have, there's a dysfunction there because the tissue can be too tight, not because it's too loose because you had a baby. Like, just remember, like you pushed out your vaginal canal, not in your vaginal canal does not influence your bladder. That's a whole separate track system there. It's different plumbing. So that it's a different separation. But the pressure system that your pelvic floor is the base of that pressure system. So when there's dysfunction in the pelvic floor, whether it's too tight or too loose, like we're saying too tight from trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Or too loose because you don't, you've never exercised before. Maybe you don't even know how to use some of those muscles down there. Yeah. That influences how your body and how your core, how your PCNS controls pressure. That's where we see so many dysfunctions um, with prolapse, with incontinence, mm-hmm. um, got pain with sex, you yeah. know, all of these, all of these super fun things that we can actually work to correct. And every woman is different. That's the, the other fun thing. I need to, I've been here six years and it's been an awesome ride. But from the very first moment I started teaching at gymnasio or coaching, I had women tell me, just you wait. They call the speed ladder the bladder ladder. And oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> because they, you know, quick feet, they want to pee, and yeah. they just be like, just you wait till you have kids. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm going to pass on that offer. Yes. Thank you. Um, and now knowing <laughs> what we know, it's, it's a, a matter of training your body and knowing, like, okay, well, 
that motion causes this dysfunction. This is what we need to work on. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, you don't need to join membership to that club to be part, to enjoy the female experience. No, it's not a badge of honor. Quite frankly, it's not a badge of honor to wear and it's an expensive, uh, dysfunction. Yes. On average, man, on average, women spend $50,000 in their lifetime on incontinence products, not, not, uh, sanitary products, incontinence products alone. Jeez. Yeah. Diapering. Diapers depends. Like every time I see one of those fucking commercials for like laugh with confidence. Oh, <laughs> and it's, it's so bad. It's, it depends. I'm like screaming at the TV. I'm like, no, it's like, that's not how it works. Like it doesn't have to be this way. Um, you know, it's just, it's mind blowing to me, but no, I, we, when we will do another episode on this in a, in a more deep dive, um, experience, but the, the concept being like, we do need to train women more intentionally. We need to understand. And I love what you said, like your core advice coming out of this episode is you guys need to understand the pelvic corner muscular system. You need to understand all the pieces that play a part. And when a woman complains about low back pain, like, what do most trainers think about? They think it's a weak core. Yeah. And it is, it's not that it's maybe not. I mean, wouldn't you say that kind of fits? They're just doing it, it the wrong way. It certainly could be. It's certainly a big suspect in that. You know, something's not working the way that it's supposed to. Yeah. Could be the core. Could be the hips. You know, could be the thoracic spine. Yeah, low back but, screaming because it's picking up the slack it wasn't meant to. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, it just depends. But, you know, if you have... If you took NASM, you took ACE, you did certified strength and conditioning, you know, they, they give you how to, how to cause muscular change, right? They tell you like your biceps do this, your hamstring does that, your quads do this, but nowhere in it do they talk about the pelvic floor or the pelvic core and how that influences how the body trains. Yeah. Even huge missed opportunity. Yeah. So if you're into education, educate yourself some more, you know, mm-hmm. it, it will definitely influence how you train the female body and how you train your female clients in general, and you're going to get better results. Yeah. I mean, there's huge, it's literally life changing for them. And for some women, you know, to be able to gift them movement back is, is a big one. Um, for some of our clients, it was, I finally got to, I, I, you know, my son threw a ball and I chased after and I didn't pee. Yeah. And it's like that moment and you're like, it's so crazy until it's you. It doesn't feel that significant, but I don't care who you are. I don't care that Rachel Hollis talks in the first chapter of her epic book about how she jumps on the trampoline and pees all over her jeans that yes, we can laugh in close circles of women with large amounts of wine to get us to talk about and, and admit to these symptoms, but nobody's happy about these symptoms. And there's no culture around it. And I think that's the last thing I wanted to chat about was that CrossFit video that lit you up on this subject. Oh, for the love. And if you're into CrossFit, we're not trying to hate on you, but you just listen to this description. Not at all. So there's this, this epic video that was going around that was, I, I understand the message behind it was like, embrace it and just, you know, be a badass and trying to like be in solidarity and stand with other women. But it was the wrong, the wrong message at that time. Um, it was these women going through this CrossFit video and they were, they were doing their CrossFit competitions, badass, but they're doing these box jumps. And every time they did a box jump, they peed. Yeah. And most CrossFitters in these competitions are in a sports bra and then they're in teeny tiny spank pants. 
And so there's no absorption there, let me tell you. They're not wearing pants. <laughs> they're not wearing a diaper in those. They just pee onto the floor or down their leg. Yeah, it's like and splattered so everywhere. After these box jumps, and you got to do like 35, 50 box jumps, however many it is, they have like a puddle, a legitimate puddle. And then I was mortified because, you know, as a trainer in group training, we clean, we clean up after our clients. It was like, I would fucking die if I had to clean up piss. Like, if I had to clean up some woman's piss. But the whole message was like, you're not doing it hard enough if yeah. you don't pee yourself. And we had this, even yeah, this... glamorizing it. Oh, my gosh. We had, um, I think she was an OB who, was, who said that. She was like, if you're not peeing yourself, then you're not working hard enough. And it mortified me because knowing what we know about the PCNS, like, that's yeah. not true. You should be able to jump and land and not pee everywhere. There's something wrong, like, legitimately, functionally, like... In all aspects, <laughs> there's something wrong. And that was just like this huge red flag for how we treat that or how mm-hmm. we look at that like this. It's not, you know, I could I could say that was great that, that they were kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to embrace this. This is empowering. I have kids. This is just what happens to your body as, as you have kids. But I'm still a badass athlete. I can can jump on board with that in in some aspect. But I think there's better ways to go about it. There's certainly like, yeah. we can fix this actually. And, and we can be better in treating this and understanding it and not having that be the stand in solitude moment. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, all right, we're going to wrap this episode up. I'm super excited that we got a chance to chat with you guys about training women and really um, our big hope in this as you listen to this is just understanding like, man, I didn't realize there's this gap in the traditional um, educating body of knowledge. That is the PCNS. And like, I need to dial that in. And we, and we encourage you to do that. You can encourage you to go Google things, you know, try to figure it out, piece it together. You can definitely go that route if you want to partner with us. We have strategic programs put in place and even sell our programming on it uh, for people that really just want to to learn with us and from us exactly how we're getting these results. But more than anything, just getting empowered through knowledge on how you can really impact women in, in specific ways and in ways that really hold them back from feeling athletic ever again. I think that's the big thing. When you have these embarrassing symptoms, you bench yourself as an athlete because you're embarrassed. And so if you have women who are pretending that they aren't as athletic or not lifting the heavy weights, not jumping, not doing the speed ladders, like what's really going on? And we hope in this episode you can go, gosh, I now have a different way of thinking about the women's bodies and what could be going on here and then go do something about it. That's what I want to say. Yep. Super stoked to talk about this and talk more about it. And, um, you know, if you're looking for resources, check out our website. The yeah. whole, whole suite program on female core conversion, how that works, and um, some basic information on the PCNS there if you're interested about that. Awesome. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed through the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So 
Share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts. And use the hashtag gymnasopodcast. That's hashtag gymnasopodcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnasoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.